Hey everybody, this is a special bonus episode of Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me... Corey Starr, hello, hello. And we are um, talking about A Cure for Wellness, um, a movie that came out this past Friday. Uh, Corey and I both went and saw it, uh, not together, but at, you know, almost at the same time, um, today, and we want to talk about it. So we decided to do an extra episode. So we won't have any special stuff today, we're just going to jump right into the movie, give our thoughts... Uh, but, of course, we have to always start off with a spoiler warning. We are going to ruin this movie. It is a newer one. If you don't like to have any spoilers before you see a film, um, watch the movie and then come back to us. Yeah. We we know other podcasts that do reviews uh, will start off with just a generic review and then go into spoilers. That's not how Movie Club works. The idea of Movie Club is you're listening to this when you've seen the movie um, or that you don't care about spoilers, one or the other. So we're, we always put the warning right at the beginning. Be mindful. Um, if you are, uh, we're new on SoundCloud. We just uh, migrated from a different host who I'm not going to mention because I don't think they exist anymore. And um, it was a lot of work for me today, and I needed a movie to kind of calm down. Uh, movies are my drug of choice. Um, so I decided to, to make an effort to see this movie today. Uh, I needed a cure for my illness. And I thought, well, what better movie than the cure for wellness? Um, and so before we say anything about the film, just know... Uh, one, if you're listening on SoundCloud, thank you. Uh, we've had a, a lot of use already, and we just you know migrated today. Um, but this is our first ever bonus episode of Burke Reviews Movie Podcast, um, Movie Club Podcast. We don't know how often we'll do bonus episodes. Uh, it, it'll be if the feeling hits us, and we've seen a movie at the same time, um, and we want to talk about it. It's not on our schedule. We might. Who knows? Um, we're crazy. But all right. So initial impressions, Corey. Um, don't you know at the end of the, the podcast we do give our ratings our rating system is available on our website burkreviews.com um essentially though our highest rating is a must see and our lowest rating is avoid like the plague and at the end of this podcast we will deem this movie worthy and i have to admit i have no idea what i'm going to say when we get to that part of the podcast yet i'm hoping i'll know by the end i am with you <laughs> so um Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I asked you to speak, and I, I just kept talking. Um, so I, I think that everyone knows how excited I've been for this film. I love Dane DeHaan. Um, like the previews kind of reminded me of Shutter Island. So I was pretty excited going into this film, and I was anxiously awaiting its, you know, release. Yeah. Now, just in case anyone out there doesn't know this film, but you've decided to listen to this podcast. Um, it is a new Gore Verbinski film, um, and I am not familiar, I don't think, with any... Oh, yes, I am. I, I keep forgetting what he's done. He's done a lot of big-budget movies. Um, I know. Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, the whole original trilogy, um, The Lone Ranger, Rango, and um, The Weatherman, and uh, The Ring, um, which just had a sequel that he had nothing to do with. Uh, so, big, big-time big director here, and um, starring, as Corey mentioned, Dane DeHaan, uh, Jason Isaacs, Mia Goth, um, Evo Nandi. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. I apologize if I'm not. Celia Im Imri. Man, these names are killing me. Um, looking for names that are relevant. Harry Groner, Groener, who played Pembroke. Um, not a lot of people I'm familiar with. Mainly Dane DeHaan. Jason Isaacs is familiar, but I don't know what I've seen. Oh, he's in. Har oh, he's Lucius. No wonder he's the villain in Harry Potter. One of the villains in Harry Potter. What? Um, Lucius Malfoy. I knew he looked familiar, but he doesn't have long blonde hair in this movie. I couldn't place him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nuts. Now, it, as soon as I saw it, I was like, "Oh, okay." Completely know who this is. Duh. And then um, Mia Goth is uh, Hannah, 
who we will be talking with about quite a bit, I imagine. Um, she is not in a whole bunch of movies. She's in 11 films, but nothing I've seen. Um, she was in Everest last year, which I haven't got to. Um, let's see here. Uh, Nymphomaniac Volume 2 with, I believe, Shia LaBeouf is in that film. I don't know if he's in Volume 1 or 2. Um, there are a couple. Yeah. Oh, wait. There. Oh. Are they really? Or are you just saying that? In, in real life, there are a couple. I did not know that. Well, I'm just here to National Enquirer up a bit. There, there you go. Actually, don't read those magazines, guys. Um, and uh, I'm going to read the synopsis, which we don't always do, but since this is such a new film, um, an ambitious young executive is sent to retrieve his company CEO from an idyllic but mysterious wellness center, with quotation marks, at a remote location in the Swiss Alps, but soon suspects that the spa's treatments are not what they seem. Um, if you've seen the trailer for this, and we did talk about the trailer a couple weeks ago, um, yeah, it's 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 pretty much what it looks like. Um, I, I would say, I want to mention, one, there's some really amazing visuals in this movie. Like, one they showed in the trailer, so I've seen it many times, but the uh, the train going into the tunnel... Oh my gosh, that was so amazing. And how I'm guessing I know nothing about recording, but like it looks like the camera is against the side of the train. Yeah. So it's like really close. That is an amazing shot. Yeah. It's, and just the reflection that you get. So you have this mirroring effect um, and it just looks really cool. And that's uh, definitely throughout the film. And the production is interesting because it, it feels like an old, like a period piece, but it's set in modern times. Um, like it feels like just the look of the the wellness center because of where it's set and it's re- remote in the Alps. Um, but even like the color palette just ma- it made it feel older than it is. Um, and we know it's definitely modern. He's got a touchscreen phone. You know, he's on he's on laptops that don't look too new, but they're still there's technology they, enough. You know. Yeah, they lose internet connection, and you think the world is going to end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, the film. Um, it, it foreshadows a lot of the plot, like real heavy, uh, super early on. Um, not as much as I thought, because the mother's words. Uh, uh, Dane Dahan is our main character; he's our protagonist, and um, his mother is in a uh, like a nursing home, um, and she she's painting this little ballerina, and she paints the eyes closed, and she tells him that she's dreaming, but she doesn't know she's dreaming. Which I totally thought that was going to foreshadow the ending, that he w- it would all have been a dream or something, which I'm glad to say it wasn't. Um, did you did you pick up on that, like the significance of it? I did, and I agree. I'm glad that it did not take that cop out. Well, it, and it would have worked, because um, it wouldn't have been a true dream. It would have been like a chemically induced dream or something. Um, mm-hmm. And there was definitely evidence to support that. And I guess one could argue now that some of it was a dream like you could still make that argument even at the end um it's not revealed to be a dream but it doesn't mean it wasn't um his smile as he's riding the bike at the end could imply that it's all fake it's all not real um it could mean that his life before was a dream and now he's finally ready to start living uh Mm -hmm. but or more likely it refers to hannah because hannah definitely her dress resembles the ballerina's dress and her dance moves resemble the the stance of the ballerina and the first time he meets Hannah at the pool, or the uh, the pond, I don't know what to call it. It's like he ref- he asked her if she's going to get in it, so it, I assumed it was a pool. But um, she's humming the song that the uh, the ballerina's music box plays. Yes, um, I thought it was interesting too. The um, like her dress. So you already said this. Uh, so much of it makes it look like look like a period piece. Like the hospital to me, the inside of the hospital looks very kind of fifties. Yeah. 
And then her dress to me looks very fifties yes. too, which is and I don't. Well, I think mm-hmm. that that makes a lot of sense at the end, um, which you know, there's a story that the characters uh, are telling um, Lockhart, which is Dane DeHaan's character, um, about a baroness uh, and a baron um, from two hundred years prior. The original building, uh, he was experimenting and trying to cure her, which later we find out she wasn't uh, sick, but she was infertile, so couldn't have a baby he was trying to cure that so that she would be able to have a baby and he was doing some kind of experiments to find the cure and apparently it, he found it because when they killed oh the baroness is his sister and that's why people were not happy with it and that's why i wonder why she wasn't able to was she really infertile or was it you know what i mean just too close of kin well i don't know um i do i get the vibe that she was infertile because uh the story, as the narrative reveals slowly about this you know, myth of the Baroness and the Baron, when they killed her, they cut her open and a, a baby fell out, and the baby didn't die, is what we're told. Um, and so that implies that he cured her, in a way. Um, mm-hmm. And now, we know that that happened 200 years in the past, and they burnt the, the uh, castle down, and they've rebuilt it, and then we see pictures of what looks like them about to open the sanitarium from 1912, I think is the date on the picture. You know, oh my gosh, I didn't even catch that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, there's a. I noticed at the very beginning of the film because he's looking at it on the wall. This picture comes back in at the end, and there's a man with bandages on it on his face. And I, I noted that immediately. I was like, well, that seems significant. I wonder why there's a guy with bandages on his face. Um, I didn't guess that. I didn't no. guess that he would. Ha- I, I should have. Um, and I felt kind of dumb for not later um, when he when he picked them up from the bar and pats his forehead and he has blood on the handkerchief. Um, yes. I should have put I, I was like, what's up with that? Why is he bleeding from his forehead? What is that? Is that like some side effect? Um, but uh, this is a it's a spa slash sanitarium because they call it both. And my my idea of a sanitarium is an insane asylum. Um, but that's not why most of these people are here. It's more like anxiety and stress. Um and they they rich. Are rich they're Both rich wealthy people problems yes. yeah 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 like you know i mean they point out that most of them are too ambitious and they they neglected their lives in pursuit of uh excellence in their jobs um and they've achieved that that excellence but at a cost that's the claim and so there's definitely some commentary about you know how we live in america um you know that we're so focused on our careers and not on on living life um, and it's that's it's compelling. It's interesting. It's it's you know it is uh, factual. I would say in a lot of ways, um, but um, yeah, it's it is definitely there. It's noted. It's notable that it's there. But um, in the picture, 1912, and um, I, I right away when uh, we meet Hannah, and Hannah's the youngest person there, and she's tells him Dane DeHaan that she's not allowed to drink the water or what she can't go swimming because of the water, or whatever. I knew something was up, and I, I connected the fact that they were telling us the story of the Baron and the Baroness, um, that Hannah was either the Baroness or something like that. That uh, That's what I was thinking, too, was that she was the Baroness, because she kept saying, and also the director kept saying she's a special case. The the director of the Institute, which, um, I don't, uh, Volmer? I'm forgetting his name. I guess that's his name, according to IMDb, Volmer. J- that's Jason Isaacs is the actor, but... Um, and he he has told her that um, her mother died, I think at birth or during childbirth or something, and then um, that her father would come when she was well. I didn't catch that about the mother. Uh, she, this 
this so some of the some of the um sorry oh my gosh i can't think some i couldn't catch some of the talking really yeah there were a couple parts and i just turned to bill and i was like what did he say Hmm. um so i i obviously missed that but she said she mentioned that at the um the bar when they were uh drinking the beer um it was briefly discussed uh because i think he asked about her parents or something like that um and she she mentioned briefly that her her she definitely said her mother died. I can't remember if she gave an explanation or not. I might be filling in the blanks with what the information that we have at the end of the movie. And um, I definitely remember her saying that her father would come to get her. But yeah, yeah. sorry, I missed that. Oh no, no. I mean, I I actually uh, forty forty four minutes into the movie, I got up and went to the bathroom and came back. Um, but that was. Oh, no. No, no. I never. <laughs> I, I, there's an app, and I'm gonna plug them. Maybe we'll get a sponsorship. Uh, run, run, go P. I think is what it's called, or run P. It's called run P. That's it. Um, and they, uh, they actually pick out times in the film where it's a lull in the plot, and say this is a good time to go to the bathroom. Like if you gotta go, you can go right now. Um, I and, heard about that. I yeah. The way you are with movies, even at home, where you don't pause them and mm-hmm. you don't like to stop them and stuff. I'm like that in the theater. I'm not moving from my seat. Yep. Yeah, that is my that is my number one. I I rarely go to the restroom, but I knew this was a two and a half hour movie, <laughs> and I was only an hour in. And I was like, nope, I got it. I got a pee, so I I pulled the app out. I usually use the app, um, because it also will tell you if there's anything after the credits. So I usually just use it for oh. that. Um, so it's a way of like, do I sit here or do I leave? Um, but I I have at least twice used it for the bathroom, and it just so happened I pulled it out, opened the app. And I was right at the scene that it was recommending I go to the bathroom. I'm like, well, this is perfect. So I'm going to go. That's awesome. um, Because it had the quote is like when he asked her name at the pool, like, um, what's your name? And she's like, Hannah. That was that was it. I got up, walked out when P came back. And um, (laughs) so useful app if that if you have a small bladder or uh, if you just, you know, if you know you're going to be in a very long movie. Um, But I digress. So let's talk about the cure. There's a little blue vial that we see very it's it's on the poster. It is um we see it early in the film with the uh assistant director whose name I did not catch but he he was the first uh manager if you will that um Lockhart got to speak to cuz Lockhart's there to pick up Pembroke who Pembroke is a MacGuffin essentially to move the plot forward. That's how we get Dane DeHaan in this place to uncover this horrible secret. Um Pembroke otherwise is kind of pointless to the plot. He's just the guy. Um, but this blue vial shows up right away, and we're told it's vitamins. Okay, but not everybody has it, right? And that's something I I did not expect, because in the trailer, I thought that was going to be something everyone was taking. That's what I thought also. I thought that that was the cure, or that it was going to be. It is, though. It is the cure. But (laughs) the other people don't get the cure, because they are making the cure. And that's pretty freaking interesting. Um... They, the the whole place is cl- uh, their whole theme is that they have this special water that is a cure. It's a it's hydrotherapy. And it's going to heal you and it's going to make you better. And of course, that immediately made me think the water's bad. Don't drink the water. I didn't understand why it was bad until much later. Um, in fact, I don't think I ever had it exactly right. I knew something was up with the water because it was blatant. Like the water's the the key here because they immediately tell him he has to drink a lot of water and that he's going to be dehydrated because he's up in the the Alps and so he'll if he doesn't drink enough water he'll dehydrate and I'm like well okay so there's some kind of chemical in the water there's a drug in the water and he sees uh, after his first glass the little bug in the water and he smushes it <laughs> just smushes it I mean at that point he already drank the water so I guess there's really nothing else he can do and he never sees that again 
That's the only time he sees it. <coughs> I'm guessing that is the larva form of the eels or the snakes or whatever those water creatures are. <sighs> um, so, like, I'm guessing that's, like, the baby, and then they grow up to be the big snakes or the big whatever. And so, did, can did you get the how, how the cure was working? Like, why how it progresses, at least, like, the treatments, how they progress to the point where we saw Pembroke um, being taken? Um... Oh my gosh. Um, well, I was a little... <sighs> Pembroke was taken. Well, um, do you mean when he was... At when, the end, um... Where he finds him at the end, when they're like next to each other in the same treatment center. Um, I, I did not see that coming, no. Well, I mean, okay, so here's, here's how the treatments, in my head, this is how they seem to work. You arrive... And at first, because like the the uh, the Englishman slash he's originally from Bombay, and the other guy I don't remember where he was from. I think he was from local. You know, they're like the two old guys that are two of the regular characters. Like they talk to Lockhart a lot. They're them, and then I think Alice Walker or Annie Walker. Tor. Oh, I thought her name was Victoria, but I could be oh, wrong. Okay, there you go. Vic- I went A. Uh, it's apparently Victoria. Um, I am bad with names. I've said that before, but. Uh, you know, it's those two guys and her are the first like people who uh, have a conversation with Lockhart, and the two guys recur a few times. Like they talk even at the end of the movie, the the Englishman guy like says something to him like, "Oh, what a bloody good show" or something like that. Um, they, oh, go ahead. Those three characters seemed way more present. I know that they were like interacting with our main character, but or yeah, they seemed way more present than the other guests. Yeah, which. I, I am asking myself, like, why are they able to be there for so long? Now, Alice was getting to, like, she was digging deeper, or, I'm sorry, w- Walker. I'm going to call her Walker because I don't know her first name. Um, she was getting closer to the truth, and she kind of helps um, Lockhart figure out the truth. Um, so that's why they moved her progression forward. But everybody else seemed to be moving pr- forward at their own will. So I'm, I'm still not sure why those two guys were able, other than for us to get information from them, why they weren't moving further along with the treatment, but here's what I've put together. You arrive at the place, and they start giving you the water. And they start putting you through all the sweat and stuff to get the toxins out, which the toxins is all the other water that you've ever drank in your life. They need to get rid of all of that water so that you're only full of this special water because that's how they're going to filter you out and get this purified. They're going to use our bodies as a filter for this um, spa water, or uh, spring water. Um, So this water is poisonous to humans, but if we filter out the water, it's a cure. And so we're basically being used as a distillery. Um, You get the body full of that that poisonous water that's going to hurt us and cause our teeth and stuff to fall out, kind of. Um, But yeah, I'm going to talk about the dental scene in a minute, because good lord, I just had dental surgery and that was my nightmare. Um... And so they then, once you've met that requirement, you've got uh, all the crappy water from outside of this area out of you. Now they start putting you into a special sweat box and they collect your sweat and that's the cure. You have filtered out this water and essentially it's a fountain of youth with the cost. Would you agree? I didn't think about it that way, but hmm, for the people that are harvesting it, yeah. Yeah, well, yes, it's a cure for them. It's not a cure for the people who are being used as the filter. The filter's like any filter. You can only use it so many times, and then it's bad. It dries up um, because they're literally draining all the fluid out of your body to get, make the cure because it's um, – I'm assuming it's sweat. <laughs> you know, um, sweat makes the most sense. Um, although I was when Dane DeHaan first finds that box that, that he ends up in, 
he touches it and pulls his hand back, but I couldn't tell if it was hot or cold. I thought it was because it was hot, and also there was steam yeah. on the windows, but which yeah, it, it was, it was hot. I, I when I first saw it, when I oh, later okay. got the context, I was like, oh, it was, it's hot. It's making them sweat, and the sweat is like the your body is filtering out all the the bad stuff, and your sweat is now this pure chemical that apparently makes you live forever, or at least a really long time. Um, and we're told that about these snakes that he's shoving into people's bodies that um, in anywhere else they would only live like 12 years or something like that. Uh, it feels too long. Maybe it was 12 months. I don't know. He said 12. And he said, but here they can live for 300 years. Mm-hmm. And so we can't just drink the water. The water is what lets those snakes do that or eels or whatever. But when we filter it out through our body, you can drink it a little dab on the tongue and apparently you'll live for a long time. But there's a side effect, apparently, right? <laughs> yes. Now, I don't I'm know... Gonna... If... Go ahead. Oh, no. I So, I want to know how many, how much vitamin they have to take each day. Yeah, I... it doesn't look like a lot, because they're putting a little, literal drop on their tongue. Their tongue. I also want to know how much one normal person makes of that like how many droppers yes and that's where i get confused with it being sweat because if it's sweat enough that they're like turning into like dry husks of people by the end of the procedure um i would think it'd make quite a bit like more than it looked like it was making you know what i'm saying like yeah um unless it's i don't know uh not sure but now the the question is i'm not sure if the baron's face which we see is uh messed up um, I don't know if that's a side effect or if that was from the when he was attacked, if that was like a scar and he covers it up with these fake faces that he apparently grows. Oh, I did not. I was wondering about that, too, or if he or if it was kind of like a disguise since he's in the same area that it happened in. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, it's his face is green and muscly, you know. Um, so oh, oh, wait, I... are you saying like he cut off his original face and then or. That that mask that he's wearing is not his original face. That he made a new one, Got it. a new face. But it would have had to cut off his old face, face off style, um, and replace it with a new face that he's growing apparently, because he had backup. Yes. He had backup faces. Um, they were everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure exactly what caused it. If it was uh, an injury, or if he removed his old face and replaces it with a new one, so that he could continue living where he lived and no one would know. Um, although apparently some people know, because uh, they have quite a few people at the wedding of for him and his daughter, uh, Hannah, which is what we find out. Um, Hannah is not his uh, wife, but the uh, the child that was cut from her stomach that he's been able to keep alive for apparently, I don't know, 180, 190 years. Um, and, she, and not just alive, but slowly aged, because I don't know how old she's supposed to be, but I'm guessing like 14. I was thinking about 16, but... Well, uh, she appears to get her first period in this movie. And, like, oh, yeah. Um, well, definitely. At first, I thought maybe she was miscarrying um, and that, that we were getting a story that he'd already been sleeping with her. But no, that was not the case. Um, she got her first period, which we should have known because the girls ask her for a tampon at the bar and she looks very confused as to what a tampon was and also look confused at the bloody napkins that were in the uh, trash can. Um, yeah. <laughs> I also thought she was miscarrying. I'm a woman, but I just cannot handle some stuff, okay? <laughs> like, I was just like, why did they have to show us the trash can? They already made their point. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think it was her just kind of uh, wonderment. Her reaction was why they showed us. 
we needed to see what she was reacting to. And it wasn't a look of like disgust or knowing it was a look of like, Oh, what's that about? Um, and mm-hmm. so not sure how old she, cause, cause Lockhart seems interested in her too. Right. Like, so I think she's supposed to be closer to like maybe in her twenties or like early, early twenties, but because of her disorder, she's aging slower. Um, cause that we're told that she's like a child, um, and so maybe that's what we're supposed to take away is that she's actually like over 18, but her body's different. Like it, it's aging differently or whatever. Um, maybe a result of the, the, the cure that it's keeping her too young. And that's what, uh, the director has been waiting for. He's been waiting for her to be able to have a baby. I just want to throw up. Yep. It, it's <laughs> gross. It is definitely gross. But the whole idea is this guy's nuts and, um, he's found essentially, a cure for mortality. Um, and I think that's the, one of the hashtags that the movie's been promoting is uh, a cure for life. And I think that's what he's, he's cured death. Um, instead he's cured death. And, uh, that's compelling. It's an interesting idea. Um, that he's, he found the, the iconic idea of the fountain of youth. And, um, it's not a fountain by itself. It requires some filterization. And so he gets old people who are already going to die Anyways, and he uses them as filters to uh, create this cure for him and his buddies um, and his daughter who he wants to marry and have sex with and then have children. Yep, so that's the plot, guys. Uh, It's, you know, uh, it's a compelling mystery. It's a little... There were some surprises. I I wasn't, like, I didn't completely figure it out, but I definitely saw some of it coming. Um, Like, okay, so we see Pembroke in the tank right with all the other people in the tanks mm-hmm. and then we also see hannah go in there at another point and lockhart is in there yep but they're able to come in and out of that i think it's a form of um like a rehydration almost because that's okay they go into that after they've been in the uh the food dehydrator type of thing for, <laughs> food dehydrator. um and i think it's like maybe like a it's another form of the um What's what was it called? The self deprivation um, tanks or the uh, sense sensory depri- deprivation tanks? It's another form of that. It's resemblant of the uh, fetuses that we see in the jars. You know, like um, they're being preserved essentially. Um, I don't quite understand how it could work, but at that point in the film, we've hit the sci-fi territory, and most of that doesn't make sense anymore. So it's okay that it doesn't completely make sense. But yes. Um, it's some kind of suspended animation uh, that is hard to explain otherwise. But they're not dead. They look dead, but apparently they are not dead in that chamber. Um, and you've seen that in the trailer, too. You see uh, Lockhart walk into a room, and there's all these people floating in these uh, in this liquid, suspended in this liquid. Um, and, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting visuals. Um, there's a lot of old-person nudity in this movie. <laughs> there was just a lot of nudity. Well, there wasn't much of non-old person nudity. There was two women. Um, we see uh, Mia, or Hannah, sorry, Mia is her actual name. We see Hannah naked for a bit at the end in a uncomfortable, somewhat rape sequence. And then um, the creepiest masturbation scene I think I've seen in a movie since Psycho, uh, the remake um, with Vince Vaughn, where uh, the fapping sounds were a bit... <laughs> A bit excessive. Much. Yeah. It was very yeah, I was like, is this real? I just had to look around at my fellow <laughs> audience members. Just making sure no one else was doing it. Um... I was like, what is going on? But I did feel like with the Hannah scene, I felt like with her it was a little excessive. The nudity? 
Yes, because I felt like they, I'm not like crazy anti-nudity. I'm not like PG, you know, it's not that. I felt like they had already made the point, you know what I mean, of how horrible yeah. this I mean, was. To be fair, to like it, it, she, her hands were tied up, so That's she true. couldn't cover up. So it was kind of like a side effect of that. Now, is that why the director had her tied up? I don't know. Um, I felt like they could have used different camera angles. I don't know. They definitely could have, although like... It wasn't as bad. A, it didn't feel exploitative to me. It was part of the scene. Um, it wasn't, you know, at the same time, it's like there are so many issues with it because I'm like, I know she's not actually under 18, but in my head, she just had her first period. So it's freaking me out that she's her she's topless right now because in my head, she's a kid and that's not yeah. okay. Um, even though I know the actress is not a kid. And also, I still don't think the character was supposed to be under 18. I think that was a side effect of the cure. But it's it's never verified um, other than he says that she's got, like, a mind of an 11-year-old. And she didn't speak till she was 11. Um, and t- technically speaking, she's, like, 170 years old or something. So, you know, not a kid in, <laughs> in that regard, I guess. But, um, Word. but yeah, so, like, that that bothered me, in, in, you know, internally. And it was supposed to make you feel uncomfortable because even the fact that the guy who was about to rape her which rape always makes me uncomfortable in a movie anyways, but it's her father. So, yeah, that makes it even worse. You're just like, oh, my God. And there's a very uncomfortable moment um, with him sniffing his fingers. Yeah, that I was just like, oh, I don't even know what to say about that whole scene. Like, I, I mean, I, hate, I I hated that guy pretty much from the get-go. And I would have, if I had realized it was Lucius, I would have known why I hated him from the beginning. Um cause, <laughs> Lucius Malfoy is a despicable character, and it's hard to uh, to ever like him. So that character is definitely this guy, uh, this version, this whatever is awful. And that I already hated him. So him sniffing the fing- his fingers um, didn't didn't win him any bonus points. But it also I already hated him. Like I didn't. It was just like, it, and it lingered with that scene. Very <sighs> very bothered. Very bothered by that. Um, definitely, this movie will make you feel uncomfortable. Um, I gotta say, I really, I like the soundtrack, or the score, I should say. Um, I like the score quite a bit. I thought it worked really well to build tension and, um, you know, make it feel suspenseful. Agreed. And there's also a part, I want to say it was when he was by that reflection pond, where it was kind of upbeat and it didn't sound happy, but it was... I agree. It is a very good soundtrack. I don't think it's something that I could listen to on its own, but it definitely enhanced yeah. the film. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't plan on, on listening to this one again. Um, Dane DeHaan's performance, he's very likable. I think I actually think this is his best performance. Um, I, I, I didn't like sometimes he feels like he's acting to me um, like in Chronicle, I thought, which you haven't seen, I don't think. But um, no. he feels like he's acting at points in that because he's really trying to be this like this kid who's got problems and in amazing spider-man 2 uh he really goes all in on the green goblin character and i i was not buying that um from him very well and um in place beyond the pines uh he's younger and also he's got such a small part in that movie i don't know that it was enough to judge him as a complete actor and i don't know what else um that i i love kill your darlings and uh, i liked him in that i still have not watched that i need to watch that um but you do i thought he he was really great in this movie um I, I don't mean to nitpick but i couldn't when he was drinking the water i was really fixated on his huge ass lips like at what his lips they're they're huge like they're like steven tyler and 
I don't agree with that. But I'm trying to pinpoint at the beginning when he drinks the, it from the glass. And yeah, the very he first finds time. The, yep. I didn't notice that. Oh, it, okay. I was like fixated, just like, good God, that man's mouth is huge. Like, and they're oh. like, they're big puffy lips. Um, I've always thought his mouth looks a little like froggish. Like in other movies too, like but it, the angle and the gla- the way they were wrapped around the glass, I was just like, "Good lord, this this guy's lips!" And I apologize. That's I don't mean to diss the guy. I'm not perfect by any means. It just it, I couldn't stop looking, and I was like, "Oh, very aware of how big his lips were," um, during that shot, and that that's maybe not the best you know angle then. Um, I wish I I felt like when I was watching it, there was just tons of visuals that I was really compelled by, and I'm having a hard time recalling them now other than the train which i i know that one because i've seen it in the trailer for like the last two months as they've been hyping this movie up i also love when he is being driven up that very like steep mountainside and at first i thought he was driving himself and then we find out that he has a chauffeur oh yeah but i love like the overhead like the car going through the windy steep mountains yeah I love that a lot. I, I um, the opening sequence of the film with the um the low angle on the the tall skyscrapers of New York, um and you know how it jumps into a close up of the guy typing on the keyboard right before he has the heart attack, um which also the guy having a heart attack seemed really random. Um, I well that was Morris. Yeah, that... no, I know why it's there, but it's it's mm-hmm. it, it doesn't need to be there. Um, I thought. It was an. In, I'm not gonna use that word. I thought it was a, <laughs> not. It's not a common way to start a film, so oh, it no. definitely caught my attention. Okay, I can see that for sure. And I was like, "Why is this happening?" Um, and the, I guess the only relevance is the amount of stress that they're under, so that maybe we start to believe that um, Lockhart is insane and isn't well. Um, because they definitely toy with that throughout the film. That's where the Shutter Island, f- and also again the look of the the, the institution is definitely similar to, to Shutter Island. Even the attire and the dress that that you see people in, reminiscent of that time period. But um, I think that is in Shutter Island. There's that theme throughout the film that is what he's experiencing happening, or is it in his head? And they definitely toy with that here. Um, and I think the final conclusion says that it's not in his head. Everything was happening. This place was messed up, and it's super crazy. Um, so that's what I believe too. And so, the guy dying at the beginning, showing how stressed out that his job is so stressful that he dies of a heart attack um, while at work, mind you. And that this other guy, who Pembroke and him apparently have some kind of a relationship, even though that's never, you know, gone into any detail. Um, just that Pembroke says, well, I, I figured they would have said Morris, Morris died. And Lockhart apparently took Morris's position um, and got the corner office, apparently. Um, so the only thing I can assume is that that is to put us on the, the, that, that red herring, that this is all in Lockhart's head, not actually happening. He's crazy. And they definitely had me thinking that a few times in the movie where I'm like, oh, okay, they are setting this up to be that twist, but it wasn't. Yes. Um. <sighs> When he signs the paper at the beginning of the film, I am going back there. Uh-huh. Um, I was just like, why are you signing something without reading it? Yeah. And it's at the bottom of a paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and to see a manager, that's you just sign a paper like that? Yeah. Um, which to me very much looked like a legal document or like a you know a medical release form yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. No, no, I, that's, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, it definitely uh, not not the smartest move on his part. Although he was flustered and agitated at that point so he wasn't thinking clearly he just wanted to get in and out 
and they were preventing that. And I was kind of wondering, so most people do go to this spa and, oh, what is that called? They like put themselves in there. But I'm also Mm -hmm. wondering how many people just sign away like that and become patients and, you know, like unintentionally, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. I mean that's that's interesting because um, well the, the 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 constant theme in the trailer too is that no one ever leaves or whatever, and that's where they show the car accident in the trailer like no one leaves and then he's in a car accident like it's stopping him from leaving, um, which is really interesting because one that it's a brutal car crash, uh, which oh so many things I want to ask about that when the car crash happens, we get these weird like disconnected sequences where we see him at uh, a cremation. That's what I didn't understand because it seemed like I, it seemed to me like he was saying that about the chauffeur and there is no one else like there was no one else there is what I initially thought. Mm. Um, but that was obviously his mother. Yes, it was definitely his mother. I don't know when that happened. The only thing that makes sense is he goes to see <laughs> her, tells her he's going away for a few days. So he she must have died before he left. Mm-hmm. Like that night, um, he, she, you know, she, uh, we see her wake up screaming w- at the time the crash happens. To me, initially implying that she was connected and woke up, and um, you know, died as a result of his injury. But then we get the scene of him at the cremation, and so no, apparently she died before he even came, and so that seemed really weird. And the way they let us know that was weird because it. They the way they insert it during the car crash is definitely like surreal. Like, what is this? Is this in his head? And again, maybe that's to set that up to set up the idea that he's in this whole other world mentally. That he's not who everything's not what it seems, um, and he's the unreliable narrator in a sense. Even though he's not narrating in the traditional way, but he he's our entry into this world for most of the movie. Um, they do break away from that uh, once, and that's with Hannah and the doctor after the bar. Um, it's the only time we're with other people and not uh, not Lockhart. It's the only time we're privy to information outside of Lockhart's purview. And I didn't understand um, why his chauffeur gave him the information that he did or how different people had different pieces of information to the same story. Mm. Like, where were they all getting that information? Yeah, yeah. And the chauffeur clearly was not in on the um, the the plot, but, like, the police chief is. So that's another question. How many people in the town were in on the, the plot of the uh, the sanitarium? Um, because there's apparently a lot. Because everyone dancing and everyone that was at the wedding, I assume, is taking the cure. And um, I didn't reckon. I, I mean, I, I would assume the nursing staff and whatnot are all in and taking the cure. Um, that's probably, like, their payment is, like, eternal life. Um I thought that those were all just the staff there. It's a it big facility. Is. You're right. But... It's, it's pro- I actually, as I was speaking, I'm like, because I don't know who those people are. I was like, oh, wait, you know what? It's probably the, the staff. But, um, yeah, it definitely could be. But the, then you could also assume they probably have maybe cottages or something in the village. Because the cop is there. The cop is in that sequence. I don't know if you saw his his uniform was just visible underneath the no. white robe. But he was part of that. And we saw, um, Lockhart saw at his in his office that he had a vial of the cure. Mm-hmm. So he was definitely involved in the whole thing. And also, when he first went to the bar and was asking about the doctor, the cop said, there's nobody. But the bartender spoke up and said, you know, the vet, basically. Um, so mm-hmm. the bartender, I don't think, was in on it, but the cop was, for sure. Yes. Um. I don't... Yeah, I agree with you about the bartender. But also, 
that so are the people in the village not drinking the same water no yeah that's exclusive to the sanitarium is what i gathered but um, that cow uh, had those worms in its belly yeah they said it was in a retention pond okay so but how or it was it was i'm guessing it was runoff or something like that um from the place uh i don't know i'm not not 100 percent um but yeah it even I just got the symbolism of the unborn baby falling out of the cow. Like that was that was Hannah. That's the equivalent. Um yeah. It's it's a weird movie for sure. It's definitely not for everybody. Um I didn't hate it by any means. It's 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 compelling. Um even at two and a half hours, I don't like the last hour really flew. Like like I think the first hour is a little slow but not in a bad way. It's like it's building a lot of lot of setup to get you to the payoff at the end. Um, but the last hour, like I was in it the whole time and like, I, I remember looking at my watch and I was like, it's eight forty. there's about an hour left. And then I was like looking at my watch I'm like, Oh, it's almost over. Like it's like three or four minutes away. I didn't even realize the time went by. Um, because it really picks up once it, once it picks up it, it's like nonstop craziness. All right. So you, I wanted to this, I wanted to say this too. You've seen it way more recently than me. I saw it a long time ago and I wasn't a fan, but I feel like being older and wiser, I need to revisit it. But that scene with all of the nursing staff and everything um, outside with their um, candles or lanterns and in their white garbs, watching them get married mm-hmm. reminded me so much of Rosemary's baby. Yeah, the the ritual, um, definitely, it, and actually, um, it, it evoked a lot of scenes um, for me. And I can't I can't place them all, but um, just the idea of this like ritualistic type of ceremony. Um, but uh, at the same time, as creepy as that sequence was, it was beautiful in ways. Like um, they had the candles, the really cool candle holders that then had like the um, streamers that fell off of them. Yeah, um, it was it was really cool and like stunning visually again, and even the the spiraling road that they're all like lined up on it. It's, it's a really cool shot. And, um, I still couldn't get why Hannah was going along with it so comfortably there though. Like, you know what I mean? Well, like she was just like getting married. Sh- she gonna do. <laughs> well, she, she's surrounded. She got I... way more resistant, um, later than she was initially. But, um, okay. I, I don't know how much left you have to say, but I got to talk about the dental sequence because I just had a bunch of surgery done on Monday. And, there's a there's a scene in this movie, one where he pulls his uh, fang tooth, which I literally just had mine cut out of my gum. Um, so I'm watching him pull the tooth out, root and all. Just oh, it, I I winced and I think I looked away three times during that that slow agonizing pulling of the tooth out of his mouth. But I th- I was gonna throw up. Oh, <laughs> I was, can't handle tooth things. Yeah, uh, I don't think I've watched too many where that's happened. Um, I've seen a few. Uh, I just watched something where a guy used a hammer to break people's teeth out of his mouth. I can't think of what it was. Oh, what the heck? That just sounds horrible. Oh, it oh, was. God. Um, I can't think of what was it. Oh, oh, it's old boy. Uh, an old boy. Um, yeah, it's it's a pretty pretty tough sequence. He he uses the uh the prying nail part out of a, uh, to like he uses that to pop this guy's teeth out of his mouth. Oh, gross. Yeah, it was it was pretty brutal. Um, and um, then. This guy, so they take him to the dentist, uh, and they have all these old school instruments. And then he tells the guy, he tells Lockhart, "We don't believe in anesthesia because it's a toxin." Which basically is because they can't use anesthesia because they're trying to get you purely full of their spring water. So any other chemical would be bad. 
including the beer, actually. That probably upset them that he had a, has had some beer um, because that's a liquid that they don't want in you. They want just the pure water. And the, the, the dentist starts to just drill into his front tooth. Like, there's no cavity. There's no reason for it. Just right in the middle of the tooth just starts drilling in. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to pass out. This is so ridiculous. Oh, no. Makes you excited to go to the dentist oh. for your annual cleaning, I'm sure. Um, or your biannual. Um, yeah, I wasn't expecting that. I thought that they were going to pull the teeth or something, but I wasn't expecting a drill just straight through the middle of his tooth. Yeah, and then later we see that tooth is missing, which that visual effect in his mouth when like when he's at the police station and he's like smiles and you can only see like he's got the one tooth left because he lost the, the one tooth and then he lost the front tooth. I was like, how did they do that? That's some good makeup because it looked real. Like I was like, did he knock his teeth out? Because Jim Carrey, uh, there's a notorious story where he had a chipped tooth um, and he had it fixed. And then when he went and did Dumb and Dumber, he broke the chip off again. Um, and then Shia LaBeouf, when he filmed Fury, I believe pulled out three or four of his teeth. Or went to a dentist and had them pulled out so that he would look more authentic to the time period. Um, so it's not unheard of for an actor to go very method with something like this. Now, I assume he didn't because, one, it would have been for a very short period of time in the movie where he doesn't have the teeth. And that would be excessive for him to actually have that procedure done. Um, unless he was a hockey player and was already missing those teeth or something. But um, And he does have his full smile back at the end of the movie, but they could have filmed the toothless scenes after um so it's possible i don't know but it's visually impressive it looked real like he had his teeth pulled out and i was like freaking out just looking at it like oh god that looks so painful even the blood oh Ugh. yeah um um also i want to talk about are you still talking about the teeth oh no i'm done it just it's it's brutal and it was probably the most horror movie element of the movie for me was watching that and the the tube shoved down his throat but also, when he was cutting his cast off, Ooh. I the blood, I thought it was from his leg. Like, me too. I thought he was gouging the hell out of his leg. I was like, oh my god, what is he doing? And then I was like, oh no, 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 it's from his hand. Okay, okay. Yes. <laughs> I didn't catch that until, you know, the whole cast was off. But, oh. Yeah, I thought he'd really lost his mind and was just, like, cutting his leg off. But, um, which that part's interesting. Because, like, initially when they said he was sleeping for three days after the accident... My first thought was like, okay, there's no IV though. This dude's dead. Like three days, no liquid, no no food, because um, there's no IVs. He's got no no monitors. There's nothing that you would see in a hospital room. Um, Not catch that. Yeah, it, it like because he's like, you drink this water, you'll be dehydrated. I'm like, uh, he he is dehydrated because there's no IV in this guy. Like he has had no IV for three days. If three days actually passed, which we don't really know for sure with time, other than he, when he gets to make the phone call to New York. Um, that's the only time we get any kind of confirmation of how long he's been there. And apparently it's the the right amount of time. And I guess he's there for just over a week. Like, because they don't pass time. Like, time passes very gradually in this movie. Um, so it can't be more than a week that he's there. Oh, yeah, because he said you've been gone for four days, right? Yeah, when he called. Yep. Okay. Um, and that was about, I think that was about a day after uh, he woke up. Now, I could be wrong because the leg was never broken, right? That's what we find out. That was a, the cast was put on to make him think he had an injured leg, um, also to make creepy, you know, crutch sound effects throughout the movie because that was definitely a part of the the creepiness. Oh. Um, mm -hmm. And but yeah, um, that that scene was pretty intense when he realizes uh, the written word. Um, apparently, too, that must be the, they don't show them being hypnotized, but it must be part of the the cure filtration system 
because he his letter that he was writing was almost verbatim what uh, Pembroke had written. Um, like, because there was the phrase I can't remember the phrase they used. Something about um, when you the, can't unsee the truth. Yeah, yeah, um, which we hear in the opening narration of the film um, from I believe from Pembroke. Uh, his letter is what we're hearing. Um, so I think I could be wrong. Maybe that was the, his father. I can't recall where that came from i'm pretty sure it was pembroke and then yeah. they were that's why they went to get pembroke because he sounded like he had gone insane well and they were hoping uh, something to do with the merger of the company and his he was going to be the fall guy for the uh the dirty books um that, that was uh, again part of the MacGuffin element because really the plot is lockhart rescuing hannah that's really the important part of the plot is him uncovering this awful sanitarium we just need the MacGuffin to get him there um, so that we can move the plot forward, and Pembroke is the reason he has to stay. Um, the, uh, but I think that, that's about it. Um, it's, there's a lot of cool stuff in this movie. It's not, it takes a, a horrific twist there at the end. Um, it, it really goes full horror movie when he peels his face off. Um, up until that point, it was more mystery sci-fi, but then I think that's, it hits um, hor- uh, mystery sci-fi thriller, and then I think it hits horror pretty hard at the end. Um, I guess you could still argue it's sci-fi, but uh, I think we'll I'll, I'll call it horror. Um, so, Corey, do you have a, a better idea where you want to rate this movie? That would be a no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to say a decent watch. I don't feel like it would appeal to a, you know, like most people. But I will also say that this is one that I think you should see on the big screen if you're going to see it just because of the visuals. Mm-hmm. But I'm still going to go with Decent Watch. I am. I'm leaning Decent Watch as well. Um, I think there's a lot of cool stuff in this movie. Um, it's definitely not perfect. Uh, and, and a lot of it is somewhat predictable. Um, not again, not exactly. But you'll definitely have a like. A lot of the mystery will you'll know where it's going. You just won't get all of the details right. That was my vibe. Is like I I know where this is gonna go, and there's a lot of red herrings they throw at you, um, with like the, again the water is the poison. And it's like well it is, but not the way you thought. And it's uh, he's not dreaming, although he could be, um, especially when he goes to leave and he gets hit by the driver, um, and out come his three coworkers. Um, I'm just like all three of you came. Like why? Like why are all of you there? And is that real or is this a dream? Like that's, you know, because again, he rides away from them and they're yelling at him and there's like the, the house is burning and he smiles and Hannah's on his back. And it's just like, is he happy or is he dreaming? Like he just looked ma- maniacal to me. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't. There's one part. Um, so when he's sitting on the bench and Hannah comes out to talk to him yep. and he's like, but why would anyone ever want to leave? And we think we've totally lost him at this point. But then later on, he's like conscious to the whole thing again. Yeah, that's I think the doll in his hand um, is what triggers it. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely it didn't fully make sense. Even I don't understand why he changed his point of view so fast, you know. Um, like, why did, like, is it the, the snakes inside of him makes him happy? Like, that part didn't make sense to me. Um, even, like, I felt like, um, the doctor, when he puts him in the machine and shoves the tube down his throat, says that we couldn't do it, uh, they have to be willing. They have to be willing to, um, do this or it doesn't work or something like that. Um, and I'm like, well, he's not willing. He's not willing at all. But then, at the, I guess he is willing after the first treatment, um, I don't know. There, there's a lot there that's uh, definitely either hard to figure out or it's just badly written and it doesn't make sense. Agreed. 
um, one or the other. And it could be us. Like, it's definitely, there's a lot going on in this movie. So it's definitely possible that I misunderstood something or, um, like Corey noted, she missed something audibly. I definitely could have missed something audibly. Um, I do have to say there's some really good surround sound moments in this movie, though. Where like there was a part where I thought someone behind me was talking, but it was the nurse that he uh, when he was reading the file that he stole from Pembroke, and he hears the nurse is like walking by the door and he gets nervous. It sounded like it was directly behind me, and then it like moved, and I heard it move like through the theater as they walked past the door, and I was like, "That's that was really effective because it freaked me out." Like I was like, "Oh, uh, um," because I, I I was about to yell at the people behind me because I thought they started yapping, but nope, it was the uh, it was the surround sound. It got me. Um, the the screenplay is by Justin Haith, um, and I'm going to look and see what else he's written. Um, Revolutionary Road and The Lone Ranger. Um, so apparently he works with Gore Verbinski a bit, at least some. Um, he's also written Snitch, the uh, not successful Dwayne Johnson movie. And that's it. And Well, a movie called The Clearing, but I don't know what that is. So looks like Robert Redford's in it. And then he's got a few coming up. Oh, a Jekyll screenplay. Um, yeah, so it could be that maybe he just left a lot open. It's very, um, you gotta give credit, it's definitely challenging. It's not an easy movie by any means, and I think they do a, a solid job, and that's why a decent watch. If you're new to the, the rating system, that's basically three out of five stars. It could really be two and a half or three and a half. I think this one falls kind of, for me, at a dead three. It's like spot on. I was interested, I was compelled. I don't know that I want to watch it again, um, and yet I kind of do because I, I know I missed a lot. Yeah, I I want to see now, especially confirming the ending. I want to see you know how they mislead me and how and but again, I do think I think the sequences during the crash were weird and off putting. Um, I I while the heart attack was pretty well shot, it was very in, intriguing. Um, I don't know that it was. It didn't add anything for me to the story. Like it it. It just shows how stressful the job is, but it, otherwise, because even he looks at the letter and he's got the the snake seal on it, and he goes to open it, but then doesn't. And so I'm like, did he die because he didn't open the letter? Like, is there supernatural stuff going on? When yeah, and when we when I initially saw that, I thought that he was being invited to the center. Yes, I thought he was going to be Pembroke, because or not Pembroke, but like that you know in the trailer we knew he was that Lockhart was going to get somebody, so I thought that was going to be the guy. That he has That's to what go I to get. Also. Now, so it wasn't. Oh, I wasn't quite expecting him to die. There is some foreshadowing. Because he gets up, because he's having chest pains, he gets up and goes and gets water, drinks, chugs a glass of water, and then has a heart attack, apparently, knocks the water cooler jug over, and then when the last thing we see is him dying in a pool of water. So a lot of symbolism about the water and the significance of the water. Um, you know, with which will play a major factor throughout the film. The water is super important, but you know, it still doesn't. I don't know. I don't know that it's a necessary scene. Like he could, have, he could have already been in the office, and he could have been sent to get Pembroke, and that would have been the same plot. You know what I'm saying? To, to be honest, though, I don't think that it would have necessarily. It wouldn't have. I don't think their job would have seemed quite as stressful without that scene or the scenes with Lockhart's Hart's father. Oh, the Lockhart's father is necessary. That's I'm not complaining about that. That is no. Yeah. I know you're not. Okay. I'm just saying that I think with and I I know you weren't mentioning Lockhart's father, but without like him, his scenes and also this scene with you know because he's looking at all these numbers flashing on his screen. He's going, you know, I don't think it would have 
been seemed as stressful to me. Yeah, but it, that scene could have just as easily been Lockhart working late, you know, alone in the in the place, and then we because the next the first time we see Lockhart, he's on a train working. Which my favorite joke in the movie is the the train conductor saying business or uh, personal or business or whatever he says, and he's like seriously because he's got like his computer. Uh, he's clearly there for business. Like there's no everywhere. <laughs> there's no question what he's doing, and I love his response, just like seriously, <laughs> like what the hell do you think it is? <laughs> um, but it, again, it it's not the scene is unnecessary, but like having this other character die and then have no other relevance. And again, they hint that Pembroke and him had some kind of relationship, but it's never, it doesn't matter. It means nothing to the plot. Like it, we don't get any other details about it. There's no significance at all. Um, other than maybe those two were the best of the men. And cause even then, like when he realizes that Lockhart, are you so-and-so's son? Like, okay. Why, and also, why would you work for the organization that caused yep. your father well, to commit? I, I think that's to prove that he's tougher than his dad was. Like, that's his kind of, I actually talked about that. Um, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to be a musician so bad was because of my, you know, like, disconnection with my father growing up and knowing that he was a musician. So maybe that's it. Like, this guy couldn't handle it, so I'm going to prove that I can handle it. Um, he could have done it at another organization true, or something. True, but yeah. Um, and again, w when we see him in the car about to jump, we hear the, that there's a report that the Dow the Dow Jones had like dropped significantly. So the assumption is that he he had a lot invested and lost a bunch of money, and that's why he jumped. But it implies, given what we were told by Pembroke, that um, we've all made bad things, and he was a good man. That they are the reason that it happened, like insider trading or something. But that is irrelevant to the movie. We don't get any confirmation about anything at all. It's all extra and fluff. And I think that's why if we were to look at the Metacritic score, I think for this movie is at 42. Uh, I haven't read any other reviews yet, but I'm willing to bet a lot of them are going to nitpick the plot. Because there's a lot, of, a lot of elements. It's already a complex story. And they're adding a bunch of complexity that is unnecessary. Um, you needed to get Lockhart there. There had to be a reason for him to go. So I get Pembroke's existence. There, it could have been anybody there. Um, there's not even a connection. The only reason we know that the company is, uh, he's blackmailed to go because if if Pembroke isn't there to take the fall, they're going to make him look like the fall guy. So they say, which is very loose and doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but that's what they say. Well, because he, he did something to the case that he, yeah. not a case, but to mm -hmm. the client. But again, irrelevant to everything, right? Like we don't get one. They don't really say what it is. Two, he immediately dismisses their blackmail. It's like he's like, if if this was for real, you would have already called the cops. But the fact that you're, I'm sitting here and you're telling me this, you know, like you know, I'm like it, he immediately dismisses their claim. So he doesn't have to do it really because he's already kind of pointed out their their flaw in the system. But essentially, I guess it's a favor. You do this for us, and we won't we'll overlook what you did, and we'll put it all on Pembroke because Pembroke's crazy. But it's it's still it feels like there's a lot going on outside of the actual plot, like what really matters in the story, which is not necessarily bad. But when you do too much, it becomes convoluted, and it it you know it's like well why did why does this movie need to be two and four two hours right. two and a half hours? That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, could have cut down a lot of time. Yeah, because uh, again, the last hour flies because we're in the plot, we're in the crazy, we're going through the world. I mean. It could be the the MacGuffin could have been he won a free trip. You know what I'm saying? Like it, there's so many ways to put him there. That's true. But it, he does have to be skeptical, and that that matters, and that reflects 
he wants to leave and they're doing everything in their power to stop that from happening because they don't want Pembroke to leave. Which, though, I got to say, not sure why. Like, <laughs> why can't Pembroke leave? Because there's plenty of people there. How much of the cure do they need? You know? Um, Never-ending supply, John. And people keep coming, though. Like, we see an old woman get dropped off with her suitcases and stuff, you know? So people are still coming. Pembroke could have left. The only thing I can think of is that um, either, one, if he got checked by another doctor, they would find out that he was really sick. Um, or two, maybe the the that feeling that we see D- D- uh, Dane DeHaan have that towards the end that he's accepting, like, why would anybody want to leave? Maybe that goes away if you're not constantly being filled with this water. Um, and so that was why they can't leave, because then the truth would come out. Because otherwise, they brought the trouble to themselves, right? Like, they've why, you made this guy stay. If you let Pembroke leave right away, their whole thing works perfectly, you know? <laughs> So why did why was he so important that they couldn't let him leave? It it has to be, I guess the only thing that makes sense would be that it would eventually come out that this place is not a safe spa, because even if it was just illness, like if they would like if you get checked and like oh you're actually really sick, well, he's old. That's your excuse. He's old. Mm-hmm. You know we have plenty of other people who are fine. He's just old and he's dying, so it's fine. So it's got to be that, or it just doesn't make sense. It's another plot hole that. If they let Pembroke leave, Lockhart's gone. None of the bad stuff that happens to the the facility happens. You know, Hannon is trapped with the guy that doesn't burn down. You know, his face is still on. <laughs> oh, gross. Yeah. So they, they essentially brought it on themselves by not letting him take Pembroke. So why? Why can't they take, why can't he take them out of there? Seems unnecessary. Because again, there's a lot of people there. There's tons of people there. There are. Uh, that's... But I mean, they've been li- they've been doing this for two hundred years, and I uh, see that that's what I thought that they meant in the like the sweat chambers that people have to want this because that's what made the villagers come after them before. Yeah, mm, yeah. Is that if people don't want to come here and don't willingly come here, they're kidnapping people and it's more noticeable. But true. Yeah. But and so again, that's what like the only thing that would make sense was that Pembroke would eventually snap out of this trance-like um, euphoria that he has and admit that um, this place is, is you know not good. They're not helping me. Something's going on. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're, they're shoving me full of snakes. I guess maybe that's it. Because if, well, they w- I don't know if he'd already started ingesting the snakes at that point because that seemed to be like the last phase that once you start ingesting them, you'll be dead in a, in a few days. Because Walker, um, well, I don't know, because he sees Walker's pee and it's got like stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. There's a lot of that, a lot of those little details you have to really get picky on, I guess. But I think we've talked enough. Um, our final verdict: we both give uh, a cure for wellness the decent watch rating. Um, it's not a bad movie. It's definitely uncomfortable at times. Um, be mindful. Uh, there is a lot of old people nudity and not sex. Just walking around naked. You know, no no cares. Um, there it's is a spa. <laughs> there is a very creepy masturbation scene. Um, and uh, it's very creepy, <laughs> um, and I still can't even figure out like if that was supposed to be his imagination or what. But um, and then there is a rape sequence that's also very uncomfortable. So uh, be mindful if you haven't seen it, but you decided to listen to this podcast. We have, of course, spoiled the crap out of this movie. Um, if you want to, even though we won't read them on this episode, obviously, if you want to tweet at us your thoughts of a cure for wellness, did you like it? Did you not? Uh, or leave a comment on our podcast page, um, either on SoundCloud or on our BurkeReviews.com. Um, if you like this podcast, please tell your friends, share it, let everybody know. 
and we'll be back on Friday. Well, we will record on Friday. You, we won't get the episode till the following Monday um, with our A Light Between Oceans uh, review. So Corey and I will be watching that this week and talking about it, and we'd love to hear your thoughts. So you can tweet those at us, email us again on our websites or whatnot, um, your thoughts on A Light Between Oceans. Corey, thank you for doing the spontaneous podcast. You are welcome. And we will be back next week. Um, and stay tuned for our top five. We're going to be uh, dropping on Thursday. Bye, guys. Peace. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com.